I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to Hardcore Listing. Hello. You are back for part two with myself, Christopher Glasson, and my good friend over there, Stuart Whiffen. Uh, coming back with our friend James Walsh from Star Sailor. Recorded at the Hoxton Square Bar and Kitchen, um, which is the place where we do our live shows. Yep. And record several guests. We're heading up there shortly to um, interview uh, Ral Reynolds yeah. of Enter Shikari. Yeah, should be good. And also, we've got our live show, don't forget, 28th of April, Saturday matinee, about 2pm at the Hoxton Square Bar and Kitchen. Come along. Got some tickets left. Come and see the... the, the it all go down on stage. It's always a car crash and it's yep. always a lot of fun. Alex Fox uh, will be on stage with us, mm-hmm. uh, being interviewed. Uh, Matt Stocks will be on stage. And by the time this comes out, we will be probably announcing oh, the yeah. other two or three yeah. of our uh, special guests. Yeah, for shizzle. But for now, go back to top five with uh, James's amazing top five of um, Shane Meadows, Shane Meadows films. films. It's an absolute corker. Enjoy. See you on the other side. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present our core listing, the podcast. Well, what, what I do, would like to talk about, which I'm sure you've probably been asked in, in lots of interviews over time, but as you mentioned, the second album. Um, yeah. I, I've never met anyone that's met Phil Spector, so I'm... <laughs> Uh, and and I've, obviously, I've heard as many odd things about him as we, you know, similar mm-hmm. to Van Morrison and stuff. But yeah, I just want to know what what that was like and how that come about. And um, we we got to know this uh, radio plugger at the record label called uh, Steve Nice, <coughs> the American side of the label, and he was just like he still is a kind of happy-go-lucky sort of. Like, uh, his name's Steve Nice for a start. And he is like Richie off Happy Days. So Brilliant. <laughs> if I showed you a picture of him, you'd be like, no, that, that man um, is from the 50s. Like, it's just <laughs> <laughs> um, but as a result, he kind of got to know some interesting people like the old DJ Rodney Bingenheimer. Wow. Who we were fortunate enough to meet as well. And uh, I think it was his daughter... Phil Spector's daughter, who he introduced us to, and uh, she was a big fan of the band. Um, I think it was just a, a simple case of her kind of nudging her dad, like, you need to come out of retirement and work with a lot. She was into a lot of music. She was into Coldplay and 
the vines and groups like this and for some and they're all, they're all label mates yeah 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 so for some mad reason he chose to work with us so it's uh, um and the the label was reticent they were like this bloke's not produced anything for years um his sounds very retro and it's a big risk uh, was you a fan massive yeah yeah but not the reason the thing that sealed it for me was Dion um, the Born to Be With You album because I love the Ronettes and uh, like Tina Turner River Deep Mountain High um, but that <sighs> album that Born to Be With You album yeah. was like that. let's do an album like that mm. um, but that actually became a bit of a problem <laughs> because I think uh, he's in. Oh, it, it, it's weird sort of saying anything positive about someone that's yeah, got yeah. this cloud hanging over them. Yeah. Um, but obviously, he's a, he's a immensely talented producer, and uh, but a lot of his his work is like the vocals are front and center, and the band's almost hidden beneath the strings, and the it's very simplistic and. I think because uh, we formed in music college and formed as a band that were all proficient in our instruments, I think particularly the rhythm section, they felt like their art and their contribution to the band was getting lost because the drummers getting asked to go boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, and that was, uh, apart from his issues with his sort of mental health, that was the the beginning of the end really and yeah. so did was he going to do the whole album because he didn't do the whole album did he no there's uh, two tracks made it to the album um, which was actually a great period when he first came over he was in love with the song Silence is Easy yeah. so he had a clear vision what he wanted to do with that um, that's white. an incredible single James what's that it's an incredible single yeah yeah like. no, I think Whenever anyone asks, oh, what's your favourite song of your own? It's like, silence is easy. Two it's chords, just, bang. Yeah. <laughs> um, and White Dove is just uh, acoustic and strings, pretty much. Mm. Uh, so he was in his element doing that as well. Yeah. And then we reconvened to do the rest of the album. And uh, he had a little alarm where he had to take this medication at certain points. And he just became like listless and uncommunicative, um, difficult to know kind of what what he wanted from us, what he expected, and it's just a real, a real shame that this uh, kind of eccentric legend that we'd uh, expected had deteriorated to that to yeah. that point. Was it yourselves, or was it like the label that was like, this ain't working? It, um, a bit of both, really. Yeah. Yeah, I think the key, <laughs> the keyboard player Barry is like he's from Wigan, so everything's just simple and down the line. He's like, I think uh, Ben went first, then <laughs> then Stell, uh, then me, and Jim was last to go <laughs> in terms of like deciding that this wasn't the right <laughs> yeah. path for us. So yeah, it's, uh, I wouldn't sort of change the experience, um, but like I say when when someone's got that cloud hanging over them, mm. it, it 
you want to talk about it, but it, it's uncomfortable to be like, oh, he's amazing. Oh, what a guy. <laughs> yeah, 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 um, When whatever happened at that house and it's there's still kind of doubts among some people's minds. Mm. Somebody went there and didn't come back. Yeah, so yeah. dark things happened hor- there, whatever. horrible's gone yeah. on. Yeah. So, yeah. How did you first meet him? Where was the first meeting? Um, we went up to his uh, chateau in LA. His uh, daughter spoke to this radio plugger, um, Jeff Barrett from Heavenly, who was uh, A&R at the time. Uh, he came up with us, from what I remember. Andrew, my brother, who was managing us. And it was, it was one of the most surreal I was gonna days say, in my life. So most importantly, what, what was going on in his head that day? Was there, was there wigs or was there... Um, <laughs> there was a wig, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it wasn't the, the, the kind of Gene Wilder one yeah. that he was sporting in court because that was, that was a pretty <laughs> incredible look. We, the, again, the keyboard player, Barry from Wigan, um, he was particularly disappointed with the uh, with the spread that was laid on because he's thinking, oh, this this bloke's loaded, you know, oh, get a proper buffet. Be, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. gonna be um, champagne and steak yeah. and stuff I could only have dreamed of. Yeah, and it, it ordered like uh, a job lot of sandwiches <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what Tesco's economy pate? <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Probably from the most expensive sandwich place in LA, but yeah. it's still like, it's a roll. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, um, I think he ended up nearly choking on one, so <laughs> I had to give him a Heimlich manoeuvre. So. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Shall we move on to number three? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do oh, it. do you need to, do you want me a little, can you remember? I did have it, I did so, get it up. Uh, made um, in England, I think. Oh, this is England. Not this made is England. England. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Call myself um, a fan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> correct. Yeah. In the top five, I can say correct. Made that in is England your was, number three. Was that the Tim Roth film made in England? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is England. This, I think this was my Shining. entrance into Shane Meadows. Yeah. Yeah. It's, again, it's just a, an unbelievable film. Um, and that I've got a bit of pride in this film as well because uh, Joe Gilgun is also from Chorley um, right. and he'd been in uh, Emmerdale and stuff and we both did this thing called Chorley where people go to fight made like a cameo appearance in this in this little documentary that these lads put together so to see <laughs> this like this kind of uh, actor um, from where I grew up doing so well and putting in such an amazing performance oh, in wow, the movie is just yeah it's a bit a bit of pride in that Dal for sure and Woody, yeah. Woody is one of the standout characters for sure yeah. Yeah. even now like he, he, in a series now I mean he just gets better and better we yeah. always talk about that in the most recent series where he has that conversation he's lying on the sofa with his parents oh, it's one of incredible. just the best bits of that um, whole relationship with his mum and dad, yeah. especially when, in I think the last series, when his boss jumps out the TV cabinet. <laughs> yeah. It's just incredible. Yeah. And like Woody's like, you'd want him to be your best mate, wouldn't you? He was, yeah. he was just as sound as it gets. He was, yeah. Um, I think um, Vicky McClure as well is 
unbelievable in that she really is in the film um, and again uh, the importance of music um, Gavin Clark singing uh, please let me get what I want as yeah. he's walking down to the sea with the throwing the England flag in the sea um, Stephen Graham's menacing performance as that arsehole <laughs> they were saying um, I, I think when I don't know if it was when Stephen or Andrew Shim was on Pips and he was talking about the that sort of climatic scene at the end when he yeah. um, sort of milky yeah and I think he'd been round and met Andrew Shim's yeah. family the night before and they'd they spoke about like mm. he's you know growing up and the family and stuff like that and when they turned the cameras on the next day and yeah. Stevie knew that he had to lose his shit mm. he started saying stuff about his family that he'd heard the night before and that's oh. why you see Milky looking more and more angry and broken and yeah. and then obviously the awful brutal you know mm. sort of scene ensues then but, but uh, yeah and, and, and I think that's again Shane Meadows pointing the camera and and just going right. Well, where are you going to take this? And I say the same for that scene. I've watched it a few times now on, on the moving away from the film onto the series. When uh, when Lowell tells the rest of the family that um, she killed um, Johnny, I can't remember what his second name is, uh, and and it wasn't. Combo. It wasn't combo, yeah. Like, that's that scene when they're all around the it's table. One, it's one, it's, yeah. Be, that would be in my top five scenes, British-based movie scenes, maybe my top five scenes of all time in series, because, yeah. sorry, because uh, it's just so powerful, that scene. It's, it's, it's wild. And it all came from that movie. And I think this movie, This Is England, that to me is like, to me, that... That's the epitome of uh, uh, Shane Meadows. What he, what he does is the combination of amazing casting, a bittersweet storyline, really, really mm. fleshed-out characters, and and yeah. music that you sit there and go, "Oh man, that's amazing!" And if I hadn't heard something before, I'd be like, "Oh, I want to hear that again." You know, it's uh, yeah, and, it's and something else. You know, Thomas Turgos is incredible. Yeah. You know, he's a little kid in there isn't he and you know obviously he's grown throughout the series but he was phenomenal in that in that oh, film yeah. like yeah. Um, goes back uh, to casting man how he yeah. cast him it was uh, you know quite unique he was a bit of a bit of a naughty kid wasn't he yeah had a strange casting and Shane Meadows was like right that's the one he's a, he's a little charmer with the oh, smell is. as well oh, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that smells brilliant mm -hmm. And and his his mum, she's in quite a few of Shane's films. She's brilliant as well. Like she's uh, I can't think what her name is off the top of my head, but uh, yeah, fantastic. But I always thought that. So, so we're talking about combo when he, he, which is one of those parts in the movie where it's, you, you're gasping, and you can feel things go the inertia. You can feel something like that going yeah. that way, yeah. and you know it's going to go that. It's, it's dark as hell. It's that scene when they, they leave the National Front Rally and they're, they're yeah. driving through and one of the lads in the back questions it, doesn't he? And he just, just freaks out. And that, that oh. scene's horrible where he's pushed his head against the window and, oh, and kicks him out of the car. And it's just, yeah. It's, I uh, think 
I think what makes it so important and so frightening as well is that there's still elements of that going on today where yeah and that that sort of justifying it by saying oh we're not talking about the hard working mm. uh, uh, people that come in and get jobs and stuff it's just the scabs and the yeah it's that that's exactly what people like UKIP and yeah the BNP were doing it's uh, yes yeah, rhetoric trying, isn't it? trying yeah. to soften in their yeah. in their way in their eyes um what is a pretty fucked up and <laughs> yeah um wrong view of the world really absolutely yeah for sure um, and preying on on people's poverty and their their struggles by going i don't don't blame the government blame yeah. these people that look a bit different this wouldn't to you, happen so if like, yeah, yeah of course yeah. Well, uh, that the scene again going back to the series again in the most recent one which absolutely wrecked me because when it came out i didn't get a chance to watch it because I think it was... But what, what did it come out? Was it Channel 4? I don't know. What was yeah. this? So I didn't watch any of it. And I, I'd missed like the first two. And I thought, fuck it. I'm going to wait for it all to come out. And I'm going to watch it in one. And I sat down in one day and watched it. And I was just an emotional wreck. It mm. just absolutely ruined me. And one of the scenes that did that was the sort of like when Milky and Combo sort of have their reckoning. And you hear Combo's thought process. And he's made... You know, he's realised how much of a twat he was. And he's very yeah. honest with uh, Milky about why he was doing what he was doing. And it wasn't anything to do with the colour of his skin. It mm. was fear and sadness and jealousy. And then, obviously, what happens? And Combo still forgives him mm. for it. It's a crazy scene. It's really powerful. Um, and that's Shane Meadows all along. It's like that bittersweet, yeah. genius writing that depth that you don't get in Fast and Furious uh, we've used that as an analogy before I don't mind leaving my brain in the bucket mm. at the door of a cinema every now and then but it's not something that I'd ever you'll never return to it doesn't have like it'll never leave me with the emotional impact that Shane Meadows sort of stuff does yeah it, it was an education for me as well that um, the skinheads or that movement wasn't always about sort of right wing politics and mm -hmm. Um, good old England and all this nonsense. It, it did come come about because of the music and the clothes and Scar was such a big part of it. Yeah. It's like I, I didn't know that. It's like yeah. you, I just, growing up, I just thought skinheads were going to twat you and the <laughs> the kind of uh, romper stomper voted, style voted yeah. BNP or Tory whatever. Yeah. And uh, yes, that was interesting to kind of. To be educated in that way that that no it, it it wasn't supposed to be like that we we, we shot the man this weekend um, oh, sorry go on have you seen the uh don letts documentary on the iplayer about skinhead no but i'm gonna get on that now, it's on it at the moment I, it was on a couple of years ago and it's, it's, it's on again at the moment and uh and it tells the story of, of, mm. of skinhead music and then in that kind of probably around the time of um when this is England was set in kind of like early early eighties, was that second hit of, of skinhead music when the kind of oi mm. music come in, and that's when the kind of the screwdrivers and the National Front and, and that that kind of thing got involved in it. Yeah, and uh, it's a really fascinating documentary. It goes right from the kind of early days of uh, of ska music, and it's fascinating. And it's always kind of wrestled with that imagery of. The, the, the kind of Crombie and the, and the, and the Chevy Reds and the, and, the, mm. and, the, and the skinhead, because of the press it got, it is always 
associated with, with racism and, 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 and violence, and it's it's really not. It's, you know? it's a shame, you know, man. It, it's, it's entrenched yeah. in, in, in black music, yeah. you know. We, um, that Madness Weekender we went and filmed uh, uh, this year, had just it was wicked going. We were filming a lot of the fans and that, and going back to the parties they were having of the night time, and it was just beautiful, amazing yeah. music, and people just having a great time. And, and it was funny because I was there thinking, this is reminding me of parts of This Is England, you know, when he captures that loving sort of side of yeah. it as well. I think there's, yeah. a, there's a bit in there that's really like the power of love as well, where I'd kind of missed it first time around watching it, but Vicky McClure's character is so important because this like psychopath and arrogant kind of arsehole had it was like the king of his own world and mm. he'd found something to belong to no matter how fucked up and messed up it was and all she because he's obviously besotted with her all she has to say is I don't fancy you dickhead and it, this giant of a man is like a crumbling Crumbled. wreck yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like that's what uh, that's what love can do to you that's what kind of being into a yeah. girl who's, who's not into you can do to you and, and obviously, he went to prison for her. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know he, he, he took the rap, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. Uh, sorry, a bit of a spoiler there if you haven't seen Most it. people don't turn racist when they get dumped. But no. <laughs> 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 Thankfully. <laughs> oh, dear. Amazing. Well, that was a good shout for number three. Um, shall we go get straight into number two? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. What's your number two? Uh, room for Romeo Brass. Which, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a massive like band tour bus favourite. We've watched it loads of times, and uh, yeah, I remember we just started doing all right, so we managed to get in touch with someone to get in touch with Shane Meadows and just let him know that we loved his films, and he sent a VHS copy of A Room for Romeo Brass with a, like two James. Uh, Amazing. Just, Generic, like, best wishes yeah. and a little smiley face. That, yeah. Excellent. Love it. Did you ever get to meet him? Have you ever met him so far? No. No, no. It's, uh, yeah, it's someone, it'd be an absolute dream to work with him because I have started doing music on, on films and stuff. Uh, and I love, I love what uh, Gavin Clark did on so many of his movies. There's a documentary... Um, I think it's called The Living Room, where uh, Shane goes and meets with Gavin and he's struggling a bit with his sort of mental health and stuff and anxiety. And he's recording this album in his living room um, and inviting people to come and play. And I haven't finished, I don't, I'm not sure how it ends, but I, I'm going to sort of go back and watch the rest of it. And, uh, it's just so sad that someone that talented and that uh, amazing kind of obviously struggled with things and um, unfortunately is no longer with us um, and it, for me that's like a dream job, yeah. I've been writing a few songs, I've got a, a friend called Jamie Adams who's a, a film director who's kind of um, I think will be getting He's done a, he did a film called Black Mountain Poets. Oh, um, I've not heard of that. Which is really good with Alice Lowe and 
uh, Dolly, what's in it? I can't think of her surname, but she's in a lot of uh, Bush stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. A lot of stuff with Noel Fielding. Dolly Wells, that's yeah. it. Um, and we've worked on a couple of projects together where he's asked me to write a few songs. Um, so yeah, I think that's uh, what what Gavin did on those movies is just perfect. Yeah, well, it's a small world, James. You never know; you might be working with him. Yeah, at some well, point. it's weird because like when I was growing up, the whole thing was uh, yeah, I want a number one or I want to mm. I want to sell out Wembley Arena, and now I think the dream for me is for. Uh, the next Shane Meadows, like to keep working with Jamie and other people who are just like, we need original music for this film. It's like, that's it, that's my life. Yeah. That, and then obviously, hopefully, the film goes goes on to do well because part of the uh, the biggest issue with having to keep coming up with new inspirations for songs when you've got something as inspiring as. Shane Meadows films or the next Shane Meadows films, it makes life so much easier. Yeah, for sure. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Um, but yeah, Brian for Romeo Brass, brilliant. So what's, what's the sort of day-to-day for James Walsh now? What, what's, what's day-to-day um, involve? Yeah, work, I work with a lot of other artists. I've just set up my little studio in a, in a house in Tootin, um, where I'm at at the moment. So that makes life a lot easier, kind of people coming around. I do library music, which is, it all goes up on a massive database. And when someone like ITV, if they, if they don't want to go and license a, a huge track that's going to cost them loads of money, they'll, yeah. they'll find something that I've done. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'm just, I've just become more and more obsessed with and, and into just creating all the time instead of <coughs> the old thing of like right I need to write the 12 best songs I've ever written 
or I'm going to get dropped. It's just a much more fluid and enjoyable process. Exactly, because there's no pressure. <coughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a little bit of pressure because I want, I want everything. Um, I want to be proud of everything that I put out, but I've stopped comparing what I did before, like trying to write the next Silence is Easy or the next yeah. Four to the Floor because those are sort of moments in time that you can't recapture. Um, so, yeah, just so if there is any film directors or <laughs> producers out there, then uh, give us a shout. Yeah. Okay. What um what mate why why Romeo Brass? Why is that number two? Um I think Andrew Shim's performance is it is in, in it is amazing. Yeah. Uh Paddy Considine again he keeps coming up. Yeah. Uh but it's one of those where he's so ridiculous that when you when he first comes on the scene you're like this this can't be real yeah, like yeah. this. But it just, as you go along and you get used to his mannerisms, and you think, yeah, there are people a bit who are a little bit like that. Um, and it, it just, that scene where he turns, where he's sat so on horrible. the beach. It is. Yeah. And uh, immediately it goes from this sort of knockabout comedy thing to something a lot darker and more emotional and about the, the friendship, and I'm not afraid to admit that uh, even on repeated watching, um, when he does the magician's thing at the end and he comes out in the dress, and I get a little bit teary eyed. Yeah. Like, um, because that, and it, I think the same with uh, This Is England, where this kid's life that is suddenly the innocence and everything about it is goes Stripped out the window. Away. Yeah, taken away. Um, yeah, th I think that's a, a recurring theme in a lot of his, his stuff. I like what you said about um, uh, Dead Man's Shoes, where you're starting to kind of want to see the vengeance. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the mm -hmm. same, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. at the end when he's you know, in the garden, he just thinks, fucking hurt him. Yeah. And, like, and you, yeah. by then, you've, you've gone from him just being like someone that you think just seems... Like a bit of a wally and quite sweet. Uh, you Horrible. want him to get his, you know, his comeuppance. Yeah. And, uh, Desperate for yeah. Two, yeah. Mm. Ladine. <laughs> Ladine. <laughs> <laughs> I can't destroy it today, boys. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the one that that's a wicked got, quote. gets just in there. Yeah. I'm on very serious business. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got any other favourite quotes from um, Romeo Brass or any of the others? Um. When you're you on like the tour bus or anything like you that. You brought me Notts County mug. That's a, that's oh, oh, yeah, a good one. Yeah. On, uh, from 24-7. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... Yeah, it's devastating. Yeah. You brought me Notts County. I had that for 14 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was when we got promoted in 1978. <laughs> I can't do the accent. But, um, he's amazing. He's in, uh, he's in both Romeo Brass and... I can't think what the actor's name is, and 24-7. Yeah. But he's just always plays the exasperated father. Is like, yeah. Oh, oh. Utterly fixated yeah, yeah, on, yeah. on football, isn't he? Yeah. You know, 24-7. So, before we get to your number one, it, it, there's a couple that... Well, let's not give too much away, but 
should we just give a nod to Major Stone? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, coming from a more northern place than where we are right now, were the roses a big a big thing for you, or was it was you too young to kind of get it when it? Yeah. 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 Definitely. I think. Uh, I am the resurrection was a an indie disco staple. Yeah. You know when we put out four to the floor, that was always my aim was to write something that could be played on the dance floor. Yeah. And uh, the only thing with the roses was that I became so had so much affection and and love for the charlatans that there was a little bit of like. Because everyone was going on about the roses and how amazing they were and what a, an incredible album that is. And I, I felt a need to kind of constantly fly the flag for the charlatans yeah. and be like, listen, the charlatans have got tunes that are up there like uh, um, The Only One I Know, Sproston Green. Yeah. Uh, then, later on. Then. then. So good. Yeah. Oh, uh, um, Telling stories later on and yeah. North Country Boy, the whole and the fact that album came in the aftermath of the, them losing their keyboard player Rob as well um, but yes yeah, it's, it's still like I say nothing again still think the Stone Roses were an incredible band it sounds like they just didn't need me to sort of fly the flag yeah um, but I was fortunate enough to play with the Stone Roses in Dubai one of the maddest nights of my life was uh when was this? A few years back on their sort of first go around the block yeah. again yeah. when he got back together. And it's like, do you want to go to Dubai and support <laughs> support the Stone Roses on your own? Is that like, yeah, all right. <laughs> so you're not going to say no, are you? Yeah. Um, but the weird thing about that gig was the first person who I saw when I came off stage was Liam Gallagher. And I hadn't seen him since they'd sort of slagged us off in the press <laughs> and stuff years before. Yeah. And it was more like Noel that, that, uh, that, that had the sort of beef or whatever you call yeah. it. Um, and Liam, being Liam, was like, uh, he said, oh, good to see you, mate. How did it go? I said it went all right. There was actually like quite a lot of people there. And he said... Um, yeah, they weren't here to see you, mate. I went, don't be a dick. So I know, <laughs> I meant like they'd, yeah. they'd come early sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. And he sort of patted me on the back and was like, oh, I was only joking, mate. And then we had a few beers after that. And uh, yeah, I'm not, I wouldn't say it was one of those where it, it went, we went off into the early hours. It was like half an hour, kind of have a pint. And then yeah. I w think I went off to watch a, a Liverpool match with the time difference. We were like, kicking off at two o'clock in the morning or something yeah. and obviously he wasn't interested in that so uh but that was just surreal yeah. occasion Very surreal. it was it was ian brown's uh, 50th birthday as well so they had like a meal and in the hotel that we were all staying in and a few drinks and stuff it's crazy That's my bananas, god isn't it? <laughs> what yeah I'll get, i can't get my head around that um, just got a big fat smile on my face <laughs> But Made in Stone, uh, the big comeback gig was in Warrington at the Par Hall. That was the, the sort of slightly secret yeah. thing. So there's quite a lot of people that I know 
went to that show, managed to blag tickets or whatever, or got them through contacts and stuff. And uh, yeah, it's just. And then to the the drummer walking off stage in uh, Amsterdam. And it's a great documentary. I think he's uh, he's definitely a, a multi-talented filmmaker. Is Shane Meadows? And he gets to indulge his loves, doesn't he? he obviously, he's a complete Rosie's nut. Yeah. So he's like, yeah. right, see if I can just tag along yeah. for this and make this road movie. That's just brilliant. Uh, yeah. It's going back to uh, Gavin Clark, this documentary where he uh, starts off in his living room and the two of them met working, where they were both working at Alton Towers. And uh, yeah, before he, either of them knew that that he could sing or that Shane made films and they just sort of get stoned together and Gavin was living in a caravan and stuff. Yeah. And you just think, that's just fate. Yeah. There's no, there's no kind of calling agents or calling, oh, I want this person to be on this. It's just his mate happened to be absolutely perfect yeah. for the movies that he was making. He's just like, well, how, how does this happen? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it just definitely his voice and his songs kind of take it up a level. Definitely. And I'm sure there's inspiration both ways where Shane might send him an early cut of something mm. and or maybe Gavin would send him a song and that would change the whole yeah. angle on a scene. It's, yeah. uh, it's great. I don't know what he's doing at the moment, if there's anything in production at the moment. I don't know. I genuinely don't know. I know Paddy's got so. the Journeyman coming out in the next mm. sort of... I think it's quite imminent, if not out already. Has the Paddy directed that himself? I don't just know. I don't know. But he's, uh, he's a crazy boxing fan as well. He yeah. really knows his, his, his boxing. So, yeah, looking forward to, to a bit of that as well. So, Shall um, we uh, move on to number one? Yeah, let's do it. What's your number one, mate? Uh, 24-7. Um, yeah. you, is this the one that you haven't seen? It's the one I hadn't seen. I was sorry, you watched that last night, didn't you? Yeah, it's yeah. one I hadn't seen, and I was like, right, gotta watch it because it's your number one. I'm like, yeah. how have I missed the trick on this? And I was doing something which is a bit naughty, which was I was doing something else as I put it on. Yeah. And I think that's a bit of a sin with movies. I try not to do that. Mm. But the mark of a good movie it draws you in it drew what, me in and within about yeah. three four minutes yeah what i was doing masturbating fair enough so it wasn't that important <laughs> um, I, I put to one side and i was fully i was fully engaged with it yeah, yeah. and um i literally as it started i went oh, i just got this feeling i'm not gonna not mm. gonna like that but i was mm. like don't be silly just you know mm. and then yeah as i say within three minutes four minutes yeah. i was like Fuck me. And the setup isn't much longer than that before you know really what this story's about. Yeah. And I was like, this is going to be amazing. Yeah. And uh, I wasn't disappointed. Yeah, it's all set and shot in black and white. And uh, Bob Hoskins is unbelievable in it. And it's one of those, it's a weird film in that the first time I watched it and when I rewatched it, some of the language is a little bit saccharine and sentimental and there's a lot of uh, his sort of monologues where he's drawing from quotes you think that's a, that's 
a bit much sort of thing. But it's when you finish watching it and you think back and think, no, it's perfect. The yeah. whole thing's perfect. Um, I'd much rather a film that um, there are parts of it that you don't maybe get while you're watching it, but they stick with you rather than something that's entertaining for two hours and then completely forgotten. Definitely. Um, he, he, there's payoffs in that where they, he sets them up early on and yeah. I'm like, I'm not quite sure in the relevance of that. And then much, much later together, on, you're yeah. like, oh, okay, right, yeah. that's why he shot that part of the scene there. Yeah. yeah. And the, the sort of unfulfilled love with the shop girl as well when she leaves a handprint on and he, he puts his handprint yeah. on. It's just... And then the... What's his name? Bruce, the, who played Les Battersby. And he's a nasty bastard in 24-7. Yeah. The bit where he's saying, like, I'm going to hit her when I get home. And, he, and Bob Hoskins just flies into a rage. Yeah. But the, the bit that gets me is the last scene where... Because uh, he'd go dancing with his, his auntie. And uh, what's his name? I can't remember the character's name, but it's like Bruce's... Mm. Bruce the actor yeah. Bruce Jones I think his yeah, name is yeah, his Bruce son. Jones is Jeff in yeah. his son um, goes to him he's like oh, I'll, tell, I'll take you dancing yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's the bit where I go it's like G give me a tissue yeah he was great in that um, that actor uh, I thought who stood up to Bruce or you know in it yeah. right, so when we were talking about people that made you want to insert you were so behind and so against the, the bad guy in it because mm. he's not in that many scenes, Bruce. Um, Jeff, the bad, the bad dad. Yeah, yeah. And oh my God, was I rooting against him? And what happens in mm. the end? I was one hundred percent there doing it yeah. with Bob Hoskins. Yeah. And knowing that this was awful, but I was like, yeah. Every sing, every second of that, I I felt it and meant it with intention. I was like, don't yeah. do that. He is, what he's just the sh the shit on the end of society. Shoe that bloke yeah, in that, yeah. and a guy who can't, I don't think, could ever be salvaged as well in his mm. mind. He didn't look like that at that point anyway. Yeah. I think it's amazing that Meadows can write a character in so short a set, in so fewer scenes really that you can hate as as much as I did. Yeah, and really and good. again, like a perfect marriage of music and visuals. The uh, Wild Night, the Van Morrison oh, yeah. song, when he's doing the whole dan practicing yeah. dancing stuff, and North Country Boy when they go off on the retreat. Yeah, to Wales. It's just yeah, yeah. It's I remember seeing the advert for this in the NME all the time. This film, mm. and it was more kind of talking, soundtrack. trying to hook you in, talking about the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, Weller, Sunass, Tim Buckley, Charlatans. Yeah, some some decent stuff on there. And, uh, yeah. James Corden's in it as well, isn't he? Yeah, I was like, mm. fuck me, that James. Yeah, yeah he's he good in it as yeah. well. He's Tonk. really good in it. Tonka. Yeah. Mm. I love... Uh, <laughs> he's in uh, A Room for Romeo Brass as well, the dad. Yeah. He's like, he's got Darcy, come here, mate. He's just like, almost like palming him off on him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, look at the fat lump. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's fat. Yeah. Because he's always eating. <laughs> When they go away to Wales, he sticks a monkey in his top pocket. He says, take this monkey, mate. So I can't take 500 quid off you. You ain't seen how much my boy eats. <laughs> <laughs> and it's quality, because he's in a lot of the sort of 
it's nice to have that contrasting accent yeah. because he's in a lot of the sort of like the, the, the sort of London gangster movies isn't he mm. and um, is he in Love on a Bay as well actually it was in Sn- oh, was it Snatch he's in Snatch and uh, it's nice to hear that accent in amongst the northern ones yeah. it's not like it's yeah. not Cockney overload do you know yeah. what I mean yeah. it's, it was, it's quite good I think kind of what's kind of a shame with a lot of the sort of Cockney movies that get made is that they all get forced into very quick stereotypes these days like Essex Boys they're on like Essex Boys 5000 now it's like Mm. stop saying and banging on about that same story Mm. there's so much more depth to these these characters Mm. and these neighbourhoods and these estates that we don't explore in the Mm. south half as well as I think Shane Meadows Mm. has done yeah um, for the North and Midlands, definitely. And 24-7 has that, has that boyish charm between the banter between the, the lads, the two gangs, sort yeah. of. It's fucking wicked, man. Why, why number one? Why did it end up being your number um, one? I think because of that affection for it, like seeing it at a sort of formative time in my life, falling in love with the soundtrack, um, and a bit of a sucker for a real, like, sentimental film. And there's a lot, like I say, there's a lot of that in there with Bob Hoskins kind of uh, narratives and stuff um, so yeah it's just beautifully shot as well I think the black and white works really well and uh, it's funny too I think that's the one thing that Dead Man's Shoes there's not a lot of humour in there no, no. it's not it made it uh, This Is England has, has a slight humorous element Definitely. to it as well um, but I love this <laughs> The best scenes are when, when they're sort of walking to the bout and uh, one, of the, one of the dads is talking, at, I can't remember exactly what he says, but he's talking absolute bollocks. <laughs> and he comes up with a name like Rick, Stephen Stevenson. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen, that's it. Stephen yeah, I, yeah, I once, uh, I once uh, killed a man. Was it <laughs> so like, was, and then he's like, oh, did you, Dad? Did you really? Yeah. Yes. Uh, what, was it, what was his name, Dad? Uh, uh, Stephen Stevenson. Stephen, Stephen S. Stevenson. He's like, yeah, all right, Stephen Dad. S. fucking Stevenson. <laughs> it's just every time, just pissing myself laughing at that. Um, but again, you were saying earlier about the casting. Yeah. That line with in in the wrong hands and with the wrong timing. Definitely. It just won't be half as funny as it is and um what's his name with his Notts County mug? Oh you you broke it. Oh, <laughs> you broke me Notts County mug. It's just that exasperation like I'm not angry, I'm disappointed yeah. that, that only a dad could uh, could muster and it's it's brilliant. Literally every one of his lines is about football. Mm. I don't think there's really a line that he doesn't say that isn't about football. And yeah. and his son is probably the naughtiest of all. He's quite a badass, his son. And I yeah. wonder where yeah. that frustration and utter rage his son has. I wonder if it's yeah. his dad yeah. just only ever wants to talk, <laughs> talk about football. And that's it. He's got yeah. no interest in his son, possibly. Yeah, um, yeah it was good. And, and no... That's why I like doing these top fives. It's one of the reasons is that you will get to see your top five and you're like, fuck, right. There's something new there to go and check out. And anyone yeah. who hasn't had the pleasure of Shane Meadows yet, you've got, a, would say, a well of joy, but you've got a lot of pain yeah. and, and bittersweet and melancholy. You've got it all in there with these movies. They're not yeah. always an easy run. And yeah. they, there's aspects of this that fucking break, broke yeah. me yesterday. I was like, oh, like, I kind of don't want it to go that way. But I'm glad he has done that as yeah, well. Yeah. 
because it's my real. It's a bit real and not always sugar coated. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Well, James, where can people find out what you're up to if uh, they want to uh, um, see what you're doing? Yeah, most Twitter and Instagram. Like James Walsh Music on Instagram and James Star Sailor on Twitter. Yeah, uh, there's a Star Sailor band.com is the website um, but social media is so constant and yeah the safest way to find out what I'm doing is I'll I'll tweet about it or take a picture <laughs> of something and say yeah I've got a gig tonight yeah well we'll obviously tag you in all the, yeah. the bits and pieces when sure. we put this out and and uh, ask yeah. for other people's top five. So yeah. guys, yeah. girls, let's hear what your top uh, five Shane Meadows movies are. Yeah. Yeah. It does make me sit here thinking, what who my top five English directors are? I'd love to do That'd that. That'd be a good one. one yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, mate, thanks so much, James. It was a real Thank pleasure. You, James. And, no problem. Um, you know, really you're kind of yeah. Top five to pick. So uh, yeah. We're gonna fuck off now, so you can eat your chicken wings <laughs> yeah, and not have yeah, to worry about the mic. Oh, brilliant. Well, there you go. That's it. A hardcore listening episode with James Walsh. A lot of fun was had. A lot of hot wings were eaten. A lot of tears were shed after them hot wings were eaten. Oh yeah. But it was uh, it was a great chat, and he's really a cool. he's a right good lad, isn't he? He's dude, yeah. Um, James, thanks so much for coming on, mate. It was Absolutely. really appreciated. Um, it was a great top five. Let's hear your top fives. Come on, tweet in and tweet uh, James, and let's hear what your favourite um, Shane, Meadows, Shane films. Meadows films are and who your favourite characters are as well. Absolutely. Big thanks to the Hustle Square Barn Kitchen for letting us use the space. Yeah. And yeah, see you next week. Peace. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present our core listing, the podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.